everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Draft is coming up, uh, the NBA draft this Thursday, Gordon. How about that? Yeah, it's upon us. Sneaking up on us. And, of course, the Jazz have uh, been doing workouts for really a past over a month. We're going to talk to Walt Perrin, uh, Director of Player Personnel for the Jazz, coming up here momentarily. Of course, Walt spearheads all those workouts. He does. And uh, let's see if we can get out of Walt exactly what the Jazz's plans are. For what Thursday they're going to do? Yeah. So, tell us, who are they picking, Walt? Or are they going to even uh, have that pick for themselves? <laughs> yes. If you had your way, who would you go with? Well, because, you know, we, we are going to have a, a draft special, as we always do, here on the Zone Sports Network. And I feel like we need to know so we can <laughs> accurately prepare it for is said a, show. It is a need-to-know deal, exactly. right? Exactly. All right, joining us now, uh, Director of Player Personnel for the Utah Jazz. We welcome him back to the big show. Of course, he is Walt Perrin. So, Walt, uh, just for the sake of the station and our show on Thursday, we need to know <laughs> what's going to happen. Can you tell us? <laughs> No, uh, we're not exactly sure yet ourselves, so we can't. I can't tell you something I don't know. Dang it! Well, that's you know that's a, that's a secure way to go about your business, right? If you don't know, <laughs> you can't blab, right? But exactly right. When, when do you expect to know? Uh, probably about uh, when we're on the clock. <laughs> is it that fluid, really, Walt? It, it, it is that fluid because there's a lot of there's a lot of conversations going on between now and our pick. Hmm. Uh, talk about the workouts. Have uh, are you uh, satisfied that you guys are going to have the information you need uh, to go in and make it happen? Well, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think we do a lot of stuff uh, without even worrying about our, our workouts. Um, the workouts are another part of the puzzle that we we or a piece of the puzzle that we look at for the players. But I mean, we've we've made some picks where we haven't even brought guys in for the workout. So. Um, the workout's just one part of it. So I think we're ready. Well, uh, uh, you mentioned the various scenarios. There's all kind of things that could happen. When you go through this process and you work out, what was it, 80? 80 players? Uh, excuse me, I, I, I missed that part, last part of that. When, when you work out, did you work out 80-some players? It was a little less than 80, if I remember okay. right. All right, but it's a bunch, and you're going through, yeah. and you're doing your work and everything. But if a scenario comes up where you, you don't even utilize the pick, uh, I guess that's just a part of your job, right? That's, that's just part of the job. My job is to get us prepared for the draft. Uh, if we don't utilize that pick, we still have done a lot of work on getting to know players, getting intel on players, uh, getting testing on players. So who knows if the players that we don't draft this year, we might be talking about free agency in in three or four years. So we'll still have the information on them. You know, speaking in generalities a a little bit, Walt, when you look at all these players in their early 20s and, of course, trying to make it into the NBA, what's the one thing that usually needs to be improved with most of the players? Is it it shooting? Is it decision-making? What is kind of the, the one thing that usually is lacking? Uh, I, I would say for the most part, for most of the players coming in, they have no idea what uh, NBA defense is like, to tell you the truth. Hmm. 
Um, most of them, yes, can improve their shooting, uh, improve their decision-making, improve their body naturally. But I don't think they understand what NBA defense is, um, even if they're a good defensive player in college. It's a little bit different, a little bit uh, more physical. A little bit, uh, You have to be a little bit stronger. Uh, you have to be a lot more focused because uh, you're playing against a lot better players. I don't mean to call you old, Walt, but you've been doing this a long I am. time. <laughs> okay. Well, you're experienced. And so my question for you is, what do you do when you see a player who you fall in love with or you really like a lot of his attributes, but he can't shoot? Or let's say he can shoot, but he can't. He, he's not proficient at it. What's the mm-hmm. likelihood that a guy like that can really make that, if not a strength, at least acceptable for what's necessary in the modern NBA? Well, again, you have to do some pretty deep digging in on that particular person if he's not a very good shooter. Um, you have to look at his shot form. You have to um, see how often or find out how often he may be in the gym working on the shot, even though his shot doesn't look very good. Um, you have to some kind of way figure out a way. Is, is this player willing to change his shot to become a better shooter? If you can figure all that out and the guy is all for it, I think you can change a person's shot. It's going to take a lot of time and a lot of repetitions. Um, but if you can get his confidence and, and his form down correctly, he can become a better shooter. Uh, it's been proven when, uh, with Kawhi. Now, that may be um, an extreme case in, in, in Kawhi's instance, but uh, it, it has been proven it can be done. And for the most part, guys do become better shooters once they get into the NBA because they are able to, to rep it out quite a bit. When you uh, bring these guys in for a workout and sit down and talk with them, are there certain things that you ask them or are looking for? Uh, we have a little list that uh, there's certain questions we will ask players. Um, and we see how they react to them. It's, it's nothing extensive. It's nothing psychological. It's just trying to get to know them a little bit better. So Walt, we do, they uh, do do psychological tests also, by the way. Are you a big believer in that? Um, again, I think uh, it's been very helpful in some cases. Um, and I think it is, again, part of the puzzle, another piece of the puzzle that we put together uh, with these players. So, so given your knowledge of the team as it is presently uh, put together, mm-hmm. uh, if you had two players or three players, all who played different positions, and had you thought the same upside and the same talent level and the same drive and the same psychological makeup you were talking about, yeah. which position would you prefer at this point? What what position I would prefer, or what position we need? Uh, well, I, I would assume that those would probably be one and the same. Um, with the makeup of our team right now, uh, what what we have coming back, um, I would say we uh, probably a a shooting wing. Does well, that answer your question? Yeah. Walt Perrin with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, Walt, describe these next couple of days uh, in you, uh, for you leading up to the draft. What do you still want to get accomplished? Well, you just took me out of the theater. We were watching some players. So that's what we've been doing uh, all today. We'll, we, 
we'll do it again tomorrow. Probably look at a little bit more of uh, people at 53. Today we looked at more at the at the 23rd spot. Uh, a lot of conversations with agents um, on where they think their particular clients may go. A lot of talk by Justin and Dennis and David with uh, other teams, um, talking about trades, talking about where they think players may go. So it's a lot of, as, as you said earlier, I think with Gordon, it's, it's fluid right now. So it's a lot of talk, a lot of watching uh, videotapes on players, a lot of talking about players, trying to decide what we're going to do on uh, Thursday night. A lot of people have and looked. what might be available. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people have looked at what's what the potential is for a, a number 23 pick. Um, you've done this a lot of times, Walt. Uh, what's your? How would you rate your enthusiasm for what's about to take place? Um, I, I, I think I'm a little bit more enthused uh, this week looking at 23 than I would have been at, say, back in October. Um, I think there's a lot better players than that. Um, that's going to be very good NBA players in time. Uh, that I, didn't, I wasn't sure about back in, in November. I thought it was going to be a little bit on a, a not a very good draft, and I'm, I think I'm going to find out I'm going to be wrong with my um, outlook back in November. So I'm, I'm kind of getting excited about some of the players that, will, that could be there at 23. Walt Perrin with us, uh, Director of Player Personnel for the Utah Jazz. Walt, good luck over the next couple of days. Certainly good luck on Thursday, and thank you so much for jumping on with us. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Walt. Well, Perrin, you think when they're in the theater watching uh, watching tape, you think they've gotten like you know the popcorn, the popcorn and soda, and uh, you know doing the whole the whole experience. <laughs> I think Walt's a Red Vines guy. Is there like an intermission? <laughs> yeah, hold on, I'm going to go use the facilities. I come back. Hold that. Hold it right where it is. Pause it. Back it up. I, I, you know, Walt. Walt's tremendous. He he comes on with he uh, he doesn't refuse to come on during this period of time when he really cannot uh, divulge too much information. And maybe he's right. Maybe they don't know. Uh, and and uh, that makes sense to me because if they're pursuing various options for trades and things like that, uh, sometimes that stuff doesn't come together a couple days beforehand. Sometimes it comes together when the event is happening. So he, he's probably, he's, I imagine he's telling the truth that he doesn't know what they're going to do or what they're going to be able to do, but he's obviously got his fingerprints all over what he thinks they should do. I think it is really fluid. You never know. So many things can affect so many things. Like, um, And I believe Dennis has talked about this before. They didn't think that um, Dante Exum was going to get to him at five. They'd never really even considered that possibility they thought he would be uh he would be gone and when he kind of fell into their lap that wasn't necessarily a scenario that they thought was likely how do you review film on 100 plus guys you know i mean (laughs) you must get bleary-eyed at some point right well it's a job like anything else right if your job is to sit down and evaluate evaluate 100 plus guys i mean you're gonna you're going to probably have your cup of coffee and uh, and get right to it, right? <laughs> well, I imagine Walt is probably reaching a point of, uh, I wouldn't say exasperation, but maybe fatigue because he's been busting this for a long time. And, you know, I mean, he does this year round. I mean, you talk to him during the season and he's flying here, there, everywhere to uh, check out the next prospect. But it's always interesting to see if the Jazz 
grab a hold of an idea about a certain player that maybe other teams don't grab a hold of. Right. And there is room for that kind of variance. And you do see these diamonds in the rough that are picked and late in the first round or in the second round. And then you think, wow, why didn't everybody see that? He mentioned Kawhi, 15th pick. Come on. A Dennis Lindsay pick. Well, I I think it's kind of why I asked what what do they need to work on most of the time because I think when you're when you're drafting in that area, you know, outside of the lottery and down into the 20s, you're looking at guys that have fairly significant flaws. And so right. how can you are those flaws overcomable in the sake of Kawhi Leonard? You know, the Spurs obviously were confident that they could teach him to shoot and move him to be uh, a dynamic wing player, that he had the athleticism and all that was there. They just had to kind of plug in the missing piece to his game. And he had the work ethic and the desire to do it where he is now, you know, the player that is before us who might right now, this moment, be the best player in the NBA. But, and at the time, there was a big risk because they were giving up George Hill in that deal, right? remember? Yep. I mean, and so there, it's not like, oh, okay, we're just going to take a flyer on this at no, no charge. No, there is a charge. But uh, it uh, it worked out nicely for them while it lasted, and it certainly has worked out especially nice for the Toronto Raptors. But can you imagine the uh, – well, it certainly has. Can you imagine the vision, though, that those guys had to have? Let's think about Rudy Gobert, uh, for instance, because yeah. he's a great uh, – to, to, I'm sure they loved his workout, and Rudy had a great workout in Utah, but I'm sure we all remember him as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And they looked at him, and they probably saw just uh, – you know, a raw basketball player, kind of. You know, a guy with the size and athletic ability, but he was so thin and he couldn't catch the ball and he couldn't shoot the ball. And you have to be confident, like, okay, I see it there. We know what we have to do to bring it out of you. Yeah. Uh, but that that's a big risk because, I mean, think of just how far Rudy had to go to really turn into what he is now. And they saw that ability. I mean, I think that that certainly takes study and it's a, it's a risk, but you have to see it there. And then you have to decide in their personality whether they have the work ethic and the desire and all those things to, to get to where they need to go. It's, I mean, it's complicated. I still remember the John Stockton pick when that happened and the reaction of folks. Who? Gonzaga? <laughs> because that's the other element to the whole thing. Who's he been playing against? What's he able to do? Can he get his shot off against an NBA-type defender or defense uh, relative to going up against, you know, Southern Missouri State? If there is such a school. I have no idea if there's a Southern Missouri State. Maybe there's a Southwest. Missouri. But I, I mean, absolutely. Look at Damian Lillard. I'm sure uh, Portland was thinking, "Oh man, he's playing in the Big Sky." Sure, mm-hmm. he whooped up on the Big Sky, but what happens? Couldn't when beat he, Montana. Yeah, what happens when he gets uh, to to play against the best <laughs> of the best? And you have to be able to, I guess, make that decision for yourself. Yeah. Darn right. That's why what those guys do, what Walt does and the others, it's easy for us to sit back and criticize, and these guys are well remunerated for what they do. Uh, but it's tough. It's not. Nobody ever said this stuff is easy. I wonder mean, it's just not. If the Jazz trade out of the first round, or when they have in the past, I wonder if Walt's like, oh, man, I've been working all year that's for that. That's what, what I asked been him. Doing. That's why I asked him that. It's just part of the job. you know. But he probably knows... 
he probably knows every scenario uh, through and through. And even as he's undergoing these various evaluations and pouring so much time and effort into it, he he might also have in the back of his mind, uh, okay, if I were if I were Dennis Lindsay uh, or Justin Zanuck, this is what I would do. And he probably is communication with him all the time. But even though you're going through this exercise, you're also looking for every option. And uh, we we have heard about these these talks that are ongoing, and so those guys obviously are initiating them or at least responding to them. So that's why this is why the draft is is so much fun. Even if you don't have a top five pick, uh, a lot of action happening. Especially this year. I'm fascinated to see what unfolds on Thursday. You know, teams making more room, teams deciding that players maybe that they were counting on in free agency might be going in different directions. So how how do you adjust to that? And the evaluations themselves are probably fluid, you know? Oh, sure. And, and the way the Jazz do it with such a, com- a committee involved in discussions. And uh, I suppose more than, on more than uh, one occasion, Walt or somebody else will wake up in the middle of the night and say, wait a minute, I've rethought this a little bit. And I, I got a strong feeling about this guy that I didn't have before. Well, it'll be interesting to see certainly what the Jazz do. We'll have it covered for you top to bottom uh, right here on the Zone Radio Network, of course. I don't really like to make this analogy, but I'll go ahead and make it anyway. It's a little bit like getting married. How so? Well, I mean, you know, you, sometimes you're not exactly sure. But on the other hand, you've got to weigh your reward versus your risk. And, like, if you uh, are getting close to that point and you're thinking, maybe I should do this. And, uh, and if I dawdle too, long, too much longer, maybe that I will lose that opportunity. And so at some point, uh, you've got you to gotta go ahead and, and make the move. You were unsure when you got married? No, 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 no. I was very sure, even though I chickened out the night before. But I, I was very sure. Well, uh, but, but a lot of times, you, uh, it is a leap of faith uh, in all cases. I you think. chickened out the night before your wedding? No, no. I I had to bring in my pocket. You know the story. I know the story, yes. All I did is Before postpone, proposing. I postponed it 24 hours. But see, if you if you did that the day before the wedding, that would be something significantly different. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That would not be good, but it would be better than going ahead with it and then messing things up no. afterwards. I was just I was pretty sure when I got married. In fact, very sure. I was surprised <laughs> that uh, that you were not. I was sure. That's a that's a big commitment no, to go no, down I, that road I, when I, you're I not talk, sure. I was talking in general terms, not in my specific case. And okay. now Lisa's well, like, not sure. uh, for instance, uh-huh. yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Like when Austin proposed to Whitney, Whitney's over there going, oh, he's a he's a nice guy and he, he's uh Now he, you're he, saying Whitney wasn't sure? He, Watch yourself. <laughs> She's driving right now. <laughs> she, she knows the mistake she, she made. Was she sure? I think she was then. I don't know about now. <laughs> and I don't I don't blame her. <laughs> I would, hindsight is uh twenty twenty. I would hope so. I think if you're walking down that aisle, you should be pretty sure. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to put down anybody's mind. But what what do the what do the statistics say? Fifty fifty percent of marriages and then Divorce? 
Those people weren't thinking like this that. This moment of optimism brought to you, right? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it might be even higher now. So you're saying be be like Lloyd and wait 15 years when you're with the person till you're you're really, really sure? Well, that was a case of a woman who was extremely patient. Yeah, you could say that again, certainly. But Lloyd does whip himself up some really, really good ribs. I'm just, I'm just surprised you weren't sure don't. going into your, your wedding. That's all. I'm just surprised. Yeah. No, don't, no. don't get it twisted. Jessica helped with those ribs, too. Oh, did she? Okay. They were uh, good, though. Big Whoever thing, did them. Thanks to Walt Perrin for jumping on with us. He joined us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Customers can get the fantastic iPhone X for 50% off with Flex Lease. Visit the local Sprint store near you. At least my wife didn't turn me down the first time I asked her out. Uh, she did not. Uh, your wife did not. Mine certainly did. That, she sure did. She slammed the Your door wife on turned you. Gordon down? No, she she turned me down. She ah, did. There, there were no. She told you to pound sand. She did man. tell me to pound sand. And you and you didn't even approach her again for like months. Lisa's oh. pet name for me is Bowler. <laughs> Not approach. I mean, we remained in contact. We didn't. Uh, what do you mean? I didn't approach her again for months. We didn't act- in any kind of. You didn't make a move Romantic forward. Romantic fashion, yes. yes. That, that is true. You quivered. She had to make the next move. What do you mean I quivered? She told me no. <laughs> you, well, I know. You quivered. And so every time you saw her after that, you wanted to ask her out again, but you couldn't because you knew that you had been rejected. I was, the, And if I were some creepy stalker like you're suggesting, then I probably wouldn't be married right now. <laughs> what changed? You're going to have to ask her that. I don't know. Why did she suddenly decide? She didn't even want to go out with you. Why did she want to marry you? She uh, eventually uh, came to her senses, I suppose. <laughs> I don't I, I don't know. You'd have to ask her. All right, I will. Uh, I want to remind you about our friends at Bullfrog Spas. They're having a special three-day sale at their factory. All hot tubs are on sale with special savings above to 3500 bucks. Zero percent interest for 36 months OAC. Hurry into the factory in Bluffdale or any of their factory stores. Sale ends Saturday. So on Thursday night when the Jazz pick so-and-so, if they do exercise that pick, and that guy walks up to the stand and, and tells the commissioner... I don't want to play for the Jazz. I'm turning them down. Man, that'd be rough. Right there at the draft. That'd be a Nas-like move. That would be. All right, stay tuned. We've got some college football news for you. We'll also revisit the big NBA topics of the day. And I got I got a, a survey here, results of a survey, that I'm not sure our listeners are going to believe. You'll want to believe it, but I'm not sure you will. Stay tuned. More of the big show. Straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Want to remind you to join us uh, coming up on Wednesday from 3 to 6 on The Big Show. As our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic will be live in studio to discuss an FDA-approved breakthrough and permanent solution for ED with no pills, no surgery, no needles. All right, Gordon, you want to get to your study, or should we yeah. get to the college football news? No, well, let's do this. Well, I don't know. You can do it in any order you want. Go ahead. Okay. Well, you're excited about it. Well, I mean, this, is, this, this affects a lot of our listeners. Does it affect you? Uh, no comment. Okay. 
A new survey found more Americans than ever think the dad bod is attractive, even sexy, and that it just might be the new six-pack. The survey was conducted by Planet Fitness, and it found that there's an ever-increasing appreciation for and acceptance of this kind of shape in the here and now. It's sometimes described as a cross between muscular and overweight. The survey said that the consensus was that the dad bod, and I quote, exudes more sexiness and confidence now than ever before. Nearly four in five who were surveyed said that the dad bod is a sign of a man who's confident in his own skin. And of the 2,217 American adults who participated in said survey, Jake, 65% said the dad bod is attractive, 61% said men with a dad bod are sexy, and 51% think the dad bod is, in fact, the new six-pack. And more than 23 million men now identify as having one. And more men believe there's a universal acceptance of the dad bod than last year. And that was 71% versus 63%. Confidence is very sexy. According to the survey. So all you fellas out there who have shown a little prosperity around the belt line, apparently now you're sexy. Sweet. That's nothing but good news. <laughs> That's what Wait, I, what's, the, what's the controversy here? What are, what are you... Uh, it's not really controversial. It's just it? good news. Well, some people, there are those who believe that, you know, when you're all muscular, and my kids are really into fitness, they do the whole thing, my wife, all that stuff. And uh, but, but there are those who believe that when they see a, a man in particular who is shredded and has the eight pack and the whole thing, that they're spending too much time in the gym. And if you have a bit of a dad bod, now you you are busy taking care of responsibilities at home, being a, a, a good citizen. Not that those who are in shape aren't good citizens, but you you, you get the point. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was good news for our listeners. Not that I'm accusing all of our listeners of having a dad bod, but those of you who do, apparently it's... It's kind of a turn-on for women these days and for men. I think that's a good thing. People who are comfortable in their own skin are who they are, and I'm all about it. Sexy. <laughs> I like it that uh, vanity is now taking a, a back seat. I think, that's, uh, I think that's terrific news. You know, speaking of this, I have a tendency to do this, but uh, I, I saw my daughter's wedding pictures for the first time last night. How I they not, turn out? I had not seen them. Mm-hmm. There was one ugly guy in the whole thing. PK? And you're looking at him. Me. Well, I'm sure you looked fine. I messed up every photo again. This is a trend. It's happened twice how now. Did, how did you mess up every I photo? Just didn't, everybody else looked really good, and I looked, I don't know. You sound super self-conscious over there. I was a little bit. Why? Because everybody else looked great. Except for me. I've got, I've got a theory for you. All right. And I hope you take this the right way, uh, honestly. Uh-oh. Every day you wear a, a T-shirt shorts and a hat uh-huh. every day not, even if it's snowing day, but you know even if it's snowing and we have a remote outside and i text you that morning wear warm <laughs> clothes you're going to be out in the snow even then but then when you go to a fancy place like a wedding you're not dressed in that way and so you see a picture of yourself 
looking differently than you're used to seeing yourself and uh, your maybe. confidence tricks you or your conscience tricks you into thinking you don't look good when actually you look pretty yeah, uh, no, sharp yeah, i don't know i don't know I'm who's, not a good whose opinion is it that uh, that you ruin the pictures mine or somebody mine. else's oh mine. well they get over it gordon i'm sure you look fine all right who, nobody cares, right. right? Yeah, right. Now, now, if your but daughter- look, when you have five beautiful daughters and uh, and a and a, uh, a a handsome groom, and you know, and everybody looks fantastic, and you got one bum in there, and you know, that's that kind of does stand out a little bit. But see, this is this is what I'm saying. I'm sure you don't look like a bum. This is your own. Uh, your own opinion on your image. I'm saying, Gordon, I'm sure you look fine. Now, if your daughter said, boy, Dad, you just ruined every single photo, <laughs> maybe I'd be a little bit more worried. Well, but my, I, I my think oldest you're... daughter did say, did kind of say that. Did she? Yeah, because I looked like somebody just slammed my finger in a door. They well, had just given you the bill, and then they said, all right, smile! No, that was, that was the first one. I'd never been through it before, so it looked like I was in pain. You were probably a little grumpy, though. Yeah. I mean, your first daughter getting yeah. married. I mean, that, yeah, you probably had mixed emotions about <laughs> my, that day. I'm sure. My first, son, my 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 son-in-law when he married Lauren, Eric, love you. But he said when he when he asked for, to me to go out to get you know to talk, and and uh, we uh, he he asked for my daughter's hand in marriage. He said that I. <laughs> he said I threatened him. You threatened him? That's what he said. He with, said after he came back and he's talking to Lauren and Lauren said, how did it go? He said, it went great. He only threatened me once. But he claims that I told him that if he messed up my daughter's life, I would come after him with everything I got. That sounds like something you'd say. You don't remember? <laughs> I don't remember saying that. How do you that? not remember? I don't know. I'm Gordon Monsey. <laughs> I just find that You ever funny read the paper? Uh, a guy <laughs> You ever listen to the radio? <laughs> a guy I'm Gordon sits Masi. down with you to ask your your first daughter's hand in marriage yeah. and you don't even recall the conversation? That was a long time ago. I don't remember. I remember it, bits and pieces of it. It was like eight years ago. Ten, maybe. It was, uh, it was nine. A little over nine. Right. It's not back in aught six. Like <laughs> you forgot. You forgot about it? <laughs> I'm, I'm just surprised. Oh, anyway. I'm not surprised you threatened him, though. That sounds like something you'd say. <laughs> I wouldn't. I didn't do that. My recent, my daughter got married in April, and I didn't. I didn't issue any threats. You didn't threaten anybody. No, no, I wouldn't do that. Uh, I might talk about some responsibilities and things like that. But anyway, point is, all you dad bods out there, wear it with pride. You're doing okay. You're you're doing okay, and that's coming from a bunch of women. And some men too. So you're you're all right. You don't have to look like a Greek god in order to uh, still have it. Some quick college football news, Gordon. Uh, we found out we've been waiting for this for a while now. Uh, quarterback transfer to the University of Utah, Cam Rising, mm-hmm. will not uh, get his uh, request for a waiver granted, meaning he will not be eligible to play this football season. Why for not? Let the kid play. Let the kid play. It's a better opportunity for him. Let him play. Yeah, them's the rules, man. Oh, Should have made a better decision when he uh, when he picked his school in the first place. You, you're fine at the quarterback spot, but still, I, I just I don't like that kind of institutional control. Utah's going to be crazy thin at quarterback. Again, I mean, it's not anything uh, new. But I think Jason Shelley, I think he proved himself last year that he's 
serviceable in that role. You said crazy thin? Thin, like not deep. Like shallow. You're being sarcastic. Utah? Yeah. At quarterback next yeah. year? What do you mean? Are you talking about this season? Yeah, this upcoming year. You yeah. think they're thin at quarterback? Yeah, they have two guys. Well, yeah, I mean, but... Uh, they not- have two scholarship quarterbacks. That's thin. Okay. I thought if they could have rising in there, then they would be uh, about as solid there as anybody. Well, yeah, then they'd have three scholarship quarterbacks. Yeah. I'm just saying, two. I'm saying... But not, most, most schools don't have uh, a situation where you have two proven starters. I was, I was speaking to numbers, meaning ah. Tyler Huntley has been injury prone to say the least and jason shelley is the backup now if jason shelley goes down they're in real trouble now nah, they'll find somebody well they've got uh, drew lisk right yeah and they've got, a, run, a, walk they've got a running game that's going to be you know take a lot of that pressure off i tyler huntley in my opinion needs to quit running so much not because it's kind of like what we talked about with khalil tate you know, I, utilize your skills that are in front of you but i I think taking that kind of pounding game after game after game is, at some point, you're reaching uh, the danger zone. I agree, but but I think we did discover this a little bit last year when they tried to make him more of a passer, especially in the beginning part of the year, that you know when you do that, you also take away what makes him special. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and that certainly was the case with Khalil Tate at Arizona. When you changed the way he played, you you took away what made him special. You did, and as Austin pointed out to us, he threw 15 interceptions the last four games of the season. Right. I'm so, no, 15 touchdowns oh, the last four. Oh, 15 26 touchdowns. total, 15 of those were over oh, the last four. Oh, okay, so it was a positive, not a negative. Well, so, yeah, I was actually saying he only threw 11 for the most okay. majority of the season. I knew you were being critical one way or the other. That's what I do. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you can tell Tyler Huntley, hey, we want you to be a, a thrower. We want you to be a pass-first guy. And, you know, he's not going to turn into Drew Brees. I mean, it, it was kind of like No, a, but you can still pick your spots a little more. You can work on that. But I, I don't think that they're ever I, – I think they're going to encourage him to still be a dual-threat guy because that's what makes him – Good. How many times did you see him, though, when he had an option, he could have pitched it to a running back or taken it himself, and he took it himself when he could have pitched it? And we did see that less last year. I mean, the year before it, it was borderline yeah. obnoxious. I do, I do think, <laughs> I do think it got better last year. And he's wised up. He's smarter. He's better prepared, and he's going to recognize situations better. But you can't, uh, you can't tell him to play scared. I, I realize that you want to limit injury liability and those sorts of things, but you can't. How about you this? can't take play somebody smart. off their game. Yeah, don't you play can scared. Him. Play smart. But odds are they're going to need Jason Shelley next year, and at some point during the year. I'm Which not is, trying to jinx and, anything. That's just odds what are. What I'm saying is that the Utes are in better shape from that standpoint because most programs don't have two proven starters on their roster. Right. I agree with that. I was more talking about numbers. Okay. Well, that they Drew only Liz, have they have two scholarship quarterbacks. What's he capable of doing? I don't know. No. I don't think Kyle Whittingham wants to find out. <laughs> yeah. I would guess that he and Andy If you get Leonard, down to your third string, then you know something's gone wrong. Well, what was John Hayes that year? He ended up starting most of the games. He was third string going into the year, wasn't he? Oh, I thought that was a situation where Norm Chow looked at this, looked at his roster and said, "I got to get somebody." No, he did because they. So had, he went and got the kid from 
uh, Division two school in Kansas or something. But I think they had Jordan win that year, and I thought I thought there was another quarterback that either transferred or got hurt. I didn't think Joe. I didn't think John Hayes was second string going into the year, but maybe he was. I I don't recall. But stuff happens, you know. And you, you know what? Any team, if they're down to the third three quarterback, they're probably not winning. So maybe this isn't a uh, you know a conversation worth having. But well, I thought that was interesting though. In talking to A Rod about it, Jake, uh, back when uh, he was at Utah, he said they did a study and that the there was a high percentage that you weren't going to make it through the year with one quarterback. And we've certainly seen that. Yeah. And certainly seen that at Utah. Especially when when you have a running quarterback. And I think someone did a study on this that showed that a quarterback is actually more likely to get hurt in the pocket than out running. Well, you could, you're at least protecting yourself in theory when you're out there right. running. Yeah, and that was the point. That usually when you're running with the football, you can see what's about to hit you. Well, Cam can practice. He he is going to be with the team. Well, that's all that. big of the NCAA. He he just cannot uh, play in games. I, I don't like that stuff. And you know, maybe I'm just a freaking. Got to discourage transfers somehow. I just let the kid play. I know you're all in favor of these snowflakes going know, wherever I, I, wherever I, I, there's no I know no they're making adversity. millions and millions of dollars. Oh wait, no, that's the schools that are and the oh, coaches you, that are getting that. You didn't win the job. Well, you probably ought to transfer because <laughs> is hey, that you know, is that why he transferred? How, how dare Do you know you, that for a fact? How dare you have to work on some things and come back and <laughs> and compete a little bit? You probably ought to find another place to play. Let the kid go play football where he wants to play it. And deal with it. You'll be all right. You know, you don't have to earn the job. Where did he come it, from? Texas? If it's not Oklahoma, handed to where was you, he? Uh, just transfer. Where was he before? Texas. <laughs> uh, you think the Longhorns will be all right without him? I think they will. What a little accountability. That's a big problem in college sports these days. Everybody, There's 3,000 names in the transfer window because it's just too hard. What happened to you, just Jake? Just too hard. Didn't you grow up like a hippie kid or something, and now you're getting all fundamental on us? Probably ought to find a new place to play. <laughs> Who's with me on this? Let the kid go play for the Utes if he wants to. Just saying there has to be. No, you got to penalize him. Keep him out for a There's year. There's got to be something to discourage transferring, at least oh, a little bit. Come on. There's got to be. be all right. Everyone's going to survive. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Three, two, one, one, one. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. As we count you down to the start of the college football season. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another selection. I see you on five. Leading up to the start of the 2019 season. As voted on by the local media and you the fans. It's the top 60 and 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union, the Southtown Auto Mall, and Master Electrical Service. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Does a Mike Conley trade put the Jazz in the top four in the West? Watching the sun bake. All of those two Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If we were to answer that question, we would say, yes, it would. Uh, the question is, what do they have to give up to get him? And how punitive is what they would have to yield in that regard? And how would they fill in the gaps? Right. 
that were left. But yeah, I mean, I uh, the big three of Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert, I think, is is quite formidable. I do too. And uh, you know, with a in Quinn Snyder's system and the way that uh, the, that they would fit in together, I think would be good. One thing I like about the prospect of Conley is you don't. Um, have to sacrifice any defense. In fact, your defense is the position would, would get better from Ricky Rubio. So you don't really have to change the identity of who the Jazz are. They're a defense-first, defense-oriented uh, defense team. And then well, they finished in the top, what, the top three the last how many years in a row now? Uh, they were first last year, second this year, I believe. In rating? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it checks a lot of boxes, Conley. Maybe you wish you were a little younger. Uh, maybe you wish he was making a little less money, but for the most part, he he checks a lot of the boxes for what the Jazz what are looking you, What for. do you want, Jazz fans? Do you want to stay conservative and just keep the same thing and have this expect the same result and be happy with that? I don't think most Jazz fans fall into that category. I think they would welcome a bold move or a bolder or even a boldish move of some sort in order to push this thing forward. And if it if something did go wrong in the process, you would have to still credit the Jazz for making making the effort, and I think that fan base would continue to support the effort. Well, we mentioned this earlier, especially with Golden State seemingly out of the way for next year. Yeah, there's there's a bit of a scramble because the door is much more wide open uh, than it has been for a while. So. Yep. It, it it increases. It really does. It really increases the urgency. And uh, what also increases is that Rudy Gobert is now eligible for a Supermax, and next time his deal comes up, so he's not getting any cheaper. What do you, and, what do you make of the whole Supermax thing? Um, it, Like most uh, rules like that, I think the, the intent is pure, but I think there's always a lot of unintended uh, intended consequence that sometimes isn't so great. Rudy Gobert is fantastic and has an effect for the Jazz that is undeniable. There have been some complaints in the postseason the last couple of years at times that that hasn't worked out so well going up against Houston. But uh, $49 million for Rudy Gobert is a whole lot of money. Is he good enough that he can command uh, 35% of your cap? Because that's what the Supermax gives you. And... You know, Rudy is great, but I mean, really, they made, if you're looking for my opinion, they made the Supermax too easy to get. Yeah. I think the Supermax really should be for, you know, four or five players across the entire NBA max, you know? And how how many qualify as is now? Do you have a guess? I, I don't. But, I mean, just – and Kimba Walker is a fine player. But I think the fact that Kimba yeah. Walker qualified for it should really tell you all you need to know. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think that's who they had in mind. But but the idea is to get to, to keep those superstar players with the teams that drafted them. And I think that's a noble effort. I just don't know if the Supermax is really – I mean, because if, if you look at it this way, and I realize that Boogie Cousins is a mess, but Sacramento moved off Boogie Cousins because they didn't want to give him the Supermax. You know, so that kind of worked opposite, right? Where they move right. off that player uh-huh. because they feel like that's too much. You know, where if it were just a regular max contract, would Sacramento have made a different a different decision? But they knew that that's what he would be looking you for. You would think that a great player would, would want to 
How much money do you need? And I know it's easy to say of when it's somebody else's money, you don't need that much, you know. But it, but if I'm in that position, I'm not sure I want every dime of that because I I want to play on a team where my my teammates can be paid as well, so I can win championships. Most people don't think that way. I certainly would not. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't that cross your mind? Uh, wouldn't you? I mean, it's just uh, you're making a ton of money. That's somebody you know? else's problem, though. Okay. All right. I just wouldn't want my – I wouldn't want to get beat in the first or second round of the playoffs every year and make the extra money than not have the extra money and have real chances for championships. Is that easy for me to say? Super easy for you to say. You say James – But how Hard- difficult – how difficult – how hard do you take losing? And if you if you're going to get beat in the second round every year, wouldn't you reach a point where it would really be frustrating to you? Or would you go home to your extra twenty million dollars and say, <laughs> "I don't, I don't really care." <laughs> well, see, but that when you're talking about Rudy Gobert, that's the very heart of the way he is. He's always talked about winning championships. And he's also the type of dude who really wants to be labeled as a supermax player. I'm sure. <laughs> okay. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more of The Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, it's good to see you, buddy. It's good to have you back. Good to be back. I am, uh, I've had a lot of fun today. And when we get the shows going like this, Jake, uh, the time flies by. It does. It sails right by, and it's always fun. We have fun on this show. And I love it that you wore your Oscar the Grouch shirt today. Is that, that You were saying that's the first time you've, uh, you've worn it since uh, you were ejected from uh, Willow Creek Country Club. It is. The first time that I have put this shirt on. And it's been in the closet ever since. How long ago was that? Uh, Five, six years ago? Yeah, something like that. And you wore that shirt and jeans to play golf at a country club. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was supposed to be for comedic effect, but nobody thought it was funny. No, no especially, who, who was it who 86'd you? Wasn't it the, was it the course pro? Or the, somebody uh, over there. Did they just come up and ask you to leave? No. Or how did that go down? No, he, he actually was with us. At our, he, he was going around talking to the different people. Uh-huh. And he was with us. And I had to leave anyway because I had to come do the show. Okay. But it was, I'd already gotten probably a good 15, 16 holes in. And he came over to visit with us. And he was in the cart where, where I was sitting. And he looked at me and he said, How'd you how'd you get on the course wearing that? And I said it was just it was just supposed to be funny. And he said, You, you're out of here. See you, pal. <laughs> I said, I gotta go anyway. But I've never been asked back. So I don't know if that's No, funny. strange. <laughs> don't you think this is funny? I mean, look, it's it funny. It is funny. It's a funny it's shirt. It's meant to be funny. I it is funny, yeah. Just it's not, a big hat, it's funny. Just not appropriate. <laughs> Why can't we all laugh at ourselves a little bit, huh? Yeah, I, I think there's a time and a place for that, and that was not he, he, it. He didn't say to me, oh, no, no, but it looks good on you. I love that movie. 
Uh, we want to say a big thanks to Michael Lev for joining us uh, from the Arizona Daily Star. That's up at uh, 1280zone.com, previewing uh, the upcoming football season. We talked a little bit about the Wildcats. Thanks to Walt Perrin for jumping on with us as well, Director of Pro Personnel for the Utah Jazz. Thanks to Austin Horton, Executive Producer of the Big Show Fine Work as usual, Austin. Thank you, Gordon. Today was Thank fun. You. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Austin. And thanks, thanks. for my hat, Gordon, and, yeah. and my sea salt. I appreciate yeah, I that. I hope you like it. And thanks to all our listeners. I couldn't do it without you. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.